All right, citizens of the Reject Nation, we just got done watching Blue Beetle, where George Lopez broke into a stand-up comedy special for two hours to tell us why Batman is a fascist. That's right, it's a one-man show. It's a dissertation. Open my eyes. I had no idea. Go home and burn all my DC memorabilia. Go woke and your brain expands. (laughs) This is usually the idea, but don't quote me on that. No, 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 no. You're in the context of the movie, the kind of character he is. Like, oh, he's always saying, like, that's the kind of character saying stuff like that about anybody who comes yeah. into this conversation. Look at that BS out of the way right now. Well, leave a like on this video, that'd be very much appreciated. Now, before we go into things, Reject Nation, for those who know me well, know I love graphic novels and know I've always wanted to write a graphic novel myself, which is why when we were asked to shout out the Codex, I was intrigued. I specifically asked to get familiar with the comic before shouting them out, and I am literally at the halfway point here, and I can confidently tell you this is an awesome, unique tale. This isn't your typical post-apocalyptic narrative. It massively blends action, horror, fantasy, western, and sci-fi, and probably some other genre that I'm not even thinking of right now. Best way to put it is imagine a world that interweaves Cold War-era apprehensions with futuristic innovations and mythic beasts. The heroes are incredibly diverse, from a determined deserter and a 400-year-old mutant with a tech-savvy bionic dog and a powerful sand druid. What's their daunting mission? To vanquish this ancient demon, Darmok. Yet this journey is fraught with challenges, facing adversaries like the Death Ponds, these terrifying radiated zombies, screamers, these harrowing banshees, and chaos reapers, these giant dragonflies oozing acid, among others. So what really makes the Codex stand out is this unparalleled fusion of Cold War dread, avant-garde tech, and of course, legendary monsters. It paints this grand tale where this ominous nuclear catastrophe unleashes these dark forces. And of course, urging brave souls to step up and restore their realms. And already, the artwork and intricate storyline have genuinely left an impression on me. If you, like myself, cherish indie creativity, then let's show our support on their Kickstarter. Believe me, diving into the Codex will give you this unparalleled experience. So don't forget to click that link below. We gotta get our thoughts out on this end of DCEU, beginning of DCU movie. It's the fulcrum point. (laughs) And uh, with the way this movie works, you're like, yeah, this could be in the DCEU or the DCU in the way the the movie handles the references to the other characters. It's in the perfect (laughs) position. James Gunn is right. John, give them a quick plot description of this movie. Yes. Give it a go. Jaime Reyes, back from college, down on his luck, looking for a job, finds an opportunity at the Cord Building where he stumbles upon the Scarab, the artifact that unleashes the Blue Beetle powers. He takes it home, and then it chooses him. He gets the powers, but then, oh no, what? Susan Sarandon's character, (laughs) she's uh, trying to exact her own special tech that hinges on the Blue Beetle powers. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and then she's gonna come after him. That ruined your flow. You I'm helped sorry. my flow so much. I think I, I think I helped. Thank you for that. I appreciate you willing to endure. I could not have handled it if the roles were reversed. <laughs> my act one experience of this movie. A lot of act one is not very strong. It took me a while to kind of understand what this movie was really going for. Even kind of just feeling the crowd where they weren't even really reacting to a lot of the jokes that were being thrown out there and stuff. It's not all bad in act one. Like when you're meeting the characters, there are some charms to be had, especially, you know, I think instantly with the family dynamic of the Reyes family, that right away just clicks. It's really, really strong. But there's other aspects with the way the pacing was being done and a lot of the comedy and the exposition, things that were going through that immediately started having me go, this sort of feels like if like if someone was like, hey, they made a Blue Beetle movie in 2000, you ever watch it? And I'm like, that's what yeah, they put on yeah, the theater yeah. for me. But I kept going, let's just wait for when the actual Blue Beetle shit starts going down. Sure. Let's just wait for act two. And I gotta say, 
by the time it got to Act Two, the parts you see in the trailer where Jaime Reyes, you know, comes into contact with the Scarab, it was pretty fast. It was really, really fast. The charm of this movie quickly started to take over. I would say almost instantaneously it started to yeah. take over. Like, if you just hold out until Act Two, you're like, whoa, wait a minute, this movie's becoming genuinely fun. Yeah. It's becoming genuinely endearing. The heart and the comedy is actually starting to really work right now. Everything that I was becoming cynical, not, well, not everything. There's like, especially things about the villains that I, I wanna go into that doesn't quite work with this movie, but I'll save it right there so that way I can let John get some opinions in here. In the first 10 to 15 minutes, I was sitting there being a little bit worried because I was like, okay, this is feeling a little bit flat. I can feel people performing and stuff like that. But once you you, yeah, get on the adventure and the mm -hmm. family ensemble really gets a chance to lock together and you get everybody in the same room and you really start to let the scenes breathe. Absolutely, the movie comes yes. to life and that spirit, that heart is present throughout the whole rest of the movie for the moments that are like surprisingly interesting as well as the moments that are like, oh, that's pretty familiar too. Rest of you guys are shirt right now. It's way better than the Flash movie. <laughs> it's, it's like it's one movie. It's, it's like one movie that has character in it. Yeah. Uh, the character grows. There were a couple of times where the emotional swells actually got to me. Uh, I was really enjoying it. There's times here where this movie has these nostalgic elements that do feel like a genuine 80s sci-fi movie, mm -hmm. at times a 90s sci-fi movie, obviously a 2000s movie. And it's a playlist. It's a playlist of <laughs> earlier films. There were times where, yeah, it, you know, it's been a while since we've seen just a pure origin film. Sometimes to a fault though, it feels like a Marvel Phase 1 film. Some of the best parts of a Marvel Phase 1 film and some of the weakest parts of a Marvel sure, Phase 1 yeah, film yeah. as well. Everything that it was going for, that, this, that the director was aiming for, and then with the cast, like the chemistry with the family dynamic, like the Reyes family doesn't just feel like an afterthought. I could imagine the interviews where you hear them saying like, yeah, Jaime is the main character, but the Reyes family is like the emotional core yeah. to it. And sometimes you hear shit like that and it just sounds like fluff. It, it sounds like, oh, maybe that was the intent, but it gets we lost in the weeds. all the people who yeah. are bought to, yeah, bring this to life. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it gets lost. That is not the case here. They are all so integral. And other than, I would say, the mom who gets one little moment to shine. She's the only player in the whole ensemble of the family who doesn't really shine. But the rest of the family, I mean, the dad, the sister, who at first I thought was annoying, but then I really grew to like her mm -hmm. as well. Abuela, Milagro. She was amazing. <laughs> yeah. She was the standout of Absolutely. the family. Absolutely, and uh, jo Uncle Rudy. Uncle Rudy, George yeah. Lopez, again, act one, George Lopez, Kind of annoying, but then by the, <laughs> the time, rest of the time he's really funny, you're like, really helpful. he's really funny and he's really embodying this character right yeah. now. He does a great job. Well, the thing that surprised me so much is that yes, it is certainly about Jaime Reyes, but the ensemble of the family is much more present than I expected. To the point where the, there are times where you're spending time with just them, yeah, as you know, Jaime is in different states of peril and whatnot. So like, it really is like a family ensemble movie. And, Jaime Reyes, it really feels like, hey, you know Miguel from Cobra Kai? <laughs> yeah, that's 
put him in here. <laughs> what if he had his whole family, right? And, uh, and he never had a white mentor. <laughs> Doesn't it feel like that? No, it, it definitely <laughs> feels just, like a stone's just throw like from really Cobra just Kai. Pulled him out from there. Yeah. But he's good, though. He's really good. He yeah. is. He is. And, and it's a fun movie because you kind of get to watch him sort of grow into the role because it's like we've watched him grow on Cobra Kai. That's a streaming, but I'll call it TV show. Yeah. So then this, you know, starts out feeling a little bit like a TV movie. It feels a little made for TV. Grows yeah. <laughs> into feeling like an actual movie, and his yes. performance, I think, grows to suit that. You see, this. the difference with this kind of movie is that the charm of it and the things that work really work to the point mm -hmm. that the faults of this film, the cons, which we will go into, they are, you know, they come and go. The faults come and go. It does. It's not like. The faults just dissipate There's after nothing. Act One, and then it just is great from there. It can be a bit bumpy in certain moments of, of the movie, but the things that work just so for at least for me, and I feel like for the audience, you could feel the audience getting won over by the experience as well. It just overtakes it. It's like a Marvel Phase One movie okay. with a Latino backdrop interlaced throughout the entire. Sure, experience. if we did Miss Marvel during <laughs> yeah. Phase One, it would yes. feel kind of like this because too. I mean, the cultural element. And it's very strong. It's, it's very, very strong. It's very present. And In order to turn to the camera to be like, Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like there is, I mean. It feels natural. Yeah, like the personality yeah, yeah, yeah. just shines. It feels like yeah. you're being invited into, you know, the, a home filled with customs that, you know, as a white guy, I might not be familiar with, but you feel very welcome. And it feels like, yeah, it's not yeah. stopping to hold your hand. It's kind of throwing you into the rhythm of everything. But I think that's good. It brings everything to life. And it really makes for some great, again, keep using the word ensemble, but some great scenes where they let the actors really breathe and interact well, with each other. The ensemble is so important to this film. Now, let's talk about like the Blue Beetle power set itself. I like the Blue Beetle power set. It's kind of like, have you guys seen Jackie Chan's The Tuxedo? <laughs> it's, yeah. it's kind of like that, but more negotiation and cooperation. More customization. Yeah, like requests can be made. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And it's like if Karen discussion. and Spider-Man No Way Home was like a little bit more assertive. It's a bit of Tuxedo meets meets Karen from uh, the Spider-Man suit, meets symbiote Venom, sure. Eddie Brock, yeah, right? It's, yeah. it's all those amalgamations into one. The powers look cool. My favorite parts of the fighting were when you could tell that they were using CGI to enhance practical uh, stunt work, sure. practical fight scenes, sure. because this movie does have third act syndrome of crazy amounts of CGI yes. are happening, and it's not, super effective because it does have the typical third act syndrome of that. I don't want to make it a bash fest at the Flash, but not to the point of the Flash, which, which that third act, I actually liked. I'm on record for saying that I actually liked that yeah, third act. Yeah, I know yeah. a lot of people have that complaint, but it has more Marvel phase one uh, type of effect where characters of similar effect. It's a lot of CGI. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there, are, there is a lot of fun to be had with the power set. I did find myself, though, craving more personality from the Scarab. Yeah. Because they do establish that slight spoiler here. I mean, you could literally look up on Wikipedia. You're nah. sort of like, what's the Scarab? <laughs> from like, the comic. They do establish it's an alien entity, but they treat it so much like it's a robotic entity. They yes. treat it so much like it's an android. I did find myself craving a bit more of just give it a personality, you know? The things that they're finding it threatened by, that it's gonna overtake Jaime, yeah, and yeah. that it, he's not gonna have any control or say in what he can do, and that it could just 
just be this lethal weapon that could destroy all. There could have been more fun with the writing to be had with the cooperation, him learning to bond with it instead of it just being essentially a robot that occasionally has a line or two where you can see that it is becoming more sentient. Yeah, the, yeah. the arc there between them kind of co-mingling and learning to work together, it's there. It's just one of the most sparse aspects of the movie to the point where you could almost forget about it and not have the experience change that much. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's like if they are graced with the ability to make a Blue Beetle part two, I will want much more sort of back and forth or some kind of, I mean, not to make it just Venom, but that has like a very strong element of entity and protagonist together. And I feel like, yeah, that, that was a bit missing here. I thought it was really missing. They harp on what the Scarab is quite a bit. Yeah. yeah, and it's such a formidable presence and it has this very unique, you know, set of powers and abilities and a unique yeah. look and stuff like that. But there are times where it is really impressive what they do. Kind of like a Green Lantern can just use his imagination to conjure up weapons. That's what this, how the Scarab works. Anything you can dream, it can make. Yeah, and so at times it is is pretty sweet. You know, like some of the things that really don't work, Susan Sarandon, I feel like the bio on her was generic villain. Yes, <laughs> like, yeah, she's there. Just, just be as cold and extremely apathetic to anyone's emotions in any regard. Like there's You know, every corporate villain in every yeah. one of these, just study all of those and, and uh, don't get too crazy with it, all right? Yeah, it's really- <laughs> Stay in the pocket. It, it is not written well. I thought, I thought the villains overall were written weak. Carapax, I, I, you know, there was something intriguing about Carapax. He's craving the indestructible Iron Man. Yes. <laughs> you know, I think his uh, character name in the comics is the, the, the indestructible man. The performer there, forgive me for not knowing the actor's name, you could tell that he was aiming to bring depth to the performance the entire time. So he brought a level of intrigue whenever he wasn't like robotic mask. Just through the body language, you're like, I feel like there's something deeper here he's going for, but the writing and the treatment of his character is not really servicing it's it. It's very requisite, yeah. And then way late into the movie, they decide to go, here's his character. And, and they give you a very yeah. interesting bit <laughs> yeah. there to help the third act kind of like, oh, okay, we're doing the big passion crash. But like, it's maybe a little too late, but I'm glad they put it in. <laughs> it's like in the middle of the road, a little too late. You're yeah, like, yeah. it works. It made this more effective, but it, it's yeah, a good it, part it, of this movie. It's, it's, I'm still kind of also. I would still be checking out though whenever he was on screen. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It doesn't fix the part where for two thirds of this movie I was like, ah, eh, whatever. You know, he's yeah, just another yeah. big overpowered guy. It doesn't make me look back on those and go, wow, those scenes are much better now. Yeah. But from here on, great. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, now yeah, the movie's pretty exactly much over. It's not exactly entirely original. No, I, I can't say that. It's not entirely original. In fact, it's actually a really predictable movie <laughs> by every stretch. Even the post-credits scene. a lot scene, of stuff that reminds I, you of like Spider-Man. Yeah, like, yeah. I, even the post-credits scene, I turned to John like halfway through. I was like, I bet you this is what the post-credits <laughs> yeah. scene is gonna be. It was exactly what the post-credits <laughs> scene was. So I'm not even diving into what the topic is of it because I don't want to possibly give away what might happen in this film. Because Henry Cavill shows up. Yeah, Henry Cavill shows up. He's like, <laughs> he's on Beatles. I've back. heard a lot about you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I will say that another character too that I'll end off with just because we're at the end of the review. Jenny Court? Yes. Uh, she's another character who I, I felt like the actress brought a lot to it. 
Max uh, really elevated that role. Yeah, because ninety-nine <laughs> percent of her character is just her telling us her backstory and, and l- lamenting her just pains, reminding us that she's the good one. She's the in good the one core, in the core family, family yeah. who's remaining right now. <laughs> she yeah. just pretty much shows up to give her. In fact, there's one scene where she's like, "I don't really talk about this," and she's crying. I'm yeah. like, "This is all you've talked about." I know. Movie. This is your whole character. Is, is your yeah. whole is your backstory and who your father is and all these things? Yeah. 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 The thing is, that I guess the part that can sound like apprehensive in, in the way in my in the tenure of my voice is is because I feel like saying the words fun and charming are often a cop-out when it comes to this genre when it when it could be a weak film what they pitched us on the trailers this movie did and more mm-hmm. so yeah I got exactly what I wanted color me impressed with certain key moments of this film the way they had the whole character ensemble here was just so refreshing. It, it was one of the most refreshing elements was yeah. like, oh wow, look, the actual family around our central character is truly crucial to the whole experience. Yeah. And they really do shine. They elevate the film. And so I recommend the movie. I do. I recommend it. Go watch it. I hope we get the sequel because I feel like a sequel would just leave us with a more refined, more polished version of this. Yeah, and I would be very excited to see Sholo Maradwinya as Jaime Reyes, you know, interacting with a potential future Teen Titans team or something like yeah, that. He seems like great. a great introduction to that idea if that's what they want to do. And I hope that this does yeah. well because, yeah, the things that it does get right, it really gets right with a lot of care and a lot of aplomb. And it makes up for me for the stuff that, yeah, is like rote or that is pretty predictable or flat or whatever else. Well, guys, uh, those are our thoughts on Blue Beetle. It's a recommendation from John and I. Uh, what do you think? Do you mm-hmm. want to see Blue Beetle carry on to the DC universe? Leave your thoughts down below. We'll talk with you guys soon. Thank you so much for being here.